Okay, so uh, so ask her, ask me your questions, guys. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm Chase Reeves and will soon be joined by Corbett Barr and Caleb Wojcik. We have all uh, built our businesses as independent entrepreneurs. And in this show, we talk all about the hows, whys, whats, and lessons learned toward the goal that you have like an internal fire, a spark of some kind, some insight to take the next step in your thing. This episode is the second in a three-part series of uh, you know getting to know your hosts here at the Fizzle Show. Yesterday we did Corbett Barr. Today is yours truly, and tomorrow will be Caleb Wojcik. Get ready to learn how I went from reading Lifehacker for ten hours a day at a ragamuffin company to uh, to laid off with my newborn son in my arms to the uh, illustrious, sometimes funny, and mostly just loud guy that you're listening to right now. There's some good tips in here on, on some career and timeline stuff as you listen to my story, especially the bit on the, uh, the apprentice stuff. Um, but all the while, we're sort of exploring how to balance the, uh, the, the creative side and the business side uh, of this you know, online entrepreneur thing. We all have both those sides. And it's always a little bit of a, you know, a dance to get them to balance up. And we also get to a great question for anybody who's running a, uh, a membership site from Tom. So I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so this episode, we're going to we're interview me. We're talking to Yay. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we have to, Corbett, we have to tell the listeners uh, what, what, what happened today with you. As you know, this is our launch week. We're doing an episode every single day. Yeah. I came over to Corbett at the scheduled time, and he's like, he's sitting there in his underwear just kind of looking at me like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know. It's, I just feel weird. I'm feeling better now. I just kind of, I burned myself out. I don't know what happened. You went on a job. I had, I had the start of a migraine and, and luckily I laid down for an hour or so and I'm, I'm feeling okay now. But when you first got here like an hour and a half ago or whatever, yeah. well, I don't know what time it was, mm -hmm. you were saying people's names that are close to us and it didn't even make sense in my brain. It was weird. <laughs> oh, God. I'm feeling better now. So let's, let's, I've uh, never seen you in that state before. It was concerning. It doesn't happen very often. It's so like, we tucked him in. I sang him a couple songs. Um and rubbed his back and then he kind of passed out for a little while and and now you look you just look great little I'm guy I'm feeling better yeah <laughs> having a cup of coffee That's Caleb, good. Caleb's gonna fill in where I can't so yeah yeah we're a team we're a team we're a team here okay so uh so ask her ask me your questions guys <laughs> <laughs> Caleb do you know Chase that well I mean did you I guess I guess we've done these interviews before but there's probably a whole lot of stuff for you to learn yeah but I think I'll be the one learning the most here. Because yeah, I don't know all of your background. I know like that you freelance for a bit, that you've had some corporate experience, you've had some Jesus experience, you've had the whole gamut of stuff. And so yeah. I mean, startup like, stuff. Wh where yeah. do you start when you start telling people your background? Well, it's a great question. I start with the fact that I have a beautiful and lovely and very hippie-ish wife, and this colors my world in a particular kind of color, um, which I like. And to be honest, yeah, like this morning, you, you know, my life right now is is, is is basically about like, okay, a-hole, 
you're a family guy now. You need to be in the family instead of running around pretending you're somebody in some make-believe tech scene somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this le- right now, that's where I would start with people. But that's not all that that interesting. I know there's like four dads out there being like, dude, how do you survive this? <laughs> but but no, unfortunately, I think there's a lot wait. of dads out there. This is really good. I like your perspective because, you know, there are a lot of people listening who are like, Okay, Corbett, Caleb, that's great. You guys are like young and single and you don't have kids and whatever, you know, <laughs> or not single, but you're young yeah. and, you know, whatever, newly married or whatever, yeah. and, and you don't have kids and you've got a family to worry about and your son's like almost four now, right? Yeah, and another one on the and way. Another in one like on the three way. Three weeks. Yeah, so. so. So it's really interesting to think about how, you know, what you can do and what's possible. You know, I had a teacher at at, at, uh, Westmont College in Santa Barbara where I went to school and was trained in religious studies. We could start there. But I had this professor who said, you know what? I was in my Ph.D. program at Duke with uh, it was me and one other guy who had kids. Everybody else didn't. And we finished twice as fast as all of them because we had the family. We had the kids. Our whole ass was on the line. You know what I mean? This is a teacher. Of this is a teacher that. who okay. is saying that, and it's stuck with me ever since. And it really has re- has resonated. It's been true. Like when I, I I had kids too early. You know what I mean? I had my son Aiden. Uh, I was I was afraid. I mean that's a rough way to say it. That it was too early. But I if I would have waited a little while, I would it would have been a much more much more gracious sort of uh, trend. Uh, what, 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 is that? what happens when a caterpillar moves from their chrysalis into their but transformation? Doesn't it seem like everybody says they're, they're not ready for kids? When well, that's it. what it feels like when they start, right? Yeah. No matter what. But to be honest, but I, I mean, my marriage almost didn't survive that, right? It was so hard on me that, and us in general, I was just so young. We both were. And I, as a man, I was really trying to figure out the career piece, and I did not know it. Yeah, I did not know what I was going to be when I grew up. I had all this stuff that I knew. I've always felt like the guy who has like, they're, they're, I'm in a hallway and I can open up, there's a million doors. I can open up any single one and walk through it. Yeah. And which one do I want? I don't know. Right now I really just like hanging out with my friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, so you made, so you made a, a dramatic transition because you, you started out sort of following the, the church route. You studied religious stuff. You, yeah. you were heavily involved in the church and then at some point you moved to Portland and, and it all just fell apart. Didn't and it, it all fell apart, and you started doing some radically different stuff. So what did you do? Yeah, so up until about six years ago, all of my jobs were um, uh, were at, at churches as worship like leaders, life youth coaching, pastors, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and, and to be honest, I'm really grateful for all those experiences and all the friends that I had there, all the, all the mentors that I had there, because to be honest, I was just, my it was all good. Every bit of it was all good, uh, and it trained me in, self-examination and self-awareness and like who am i what do i really want and and all you know all of this other and and humility and all, all you know bunch of good stuff yep uh but then when we moved to portland i, I wanted to i wanted to kind of i wanted to do something different my dad was a businessman growing up and and he was he just I, he was always like you know in, in china or korea he was at the early early wave of all that manufacturing out there um and so he was he was gone a lot from that i and and not that I like I'm not crying about that. It's just that uh, I just didn't know what he did. And I'm like, if that doesn't sound fun, being gone. I don't know. What do you do? I don't know what you do. You sound like you're on an airplane a lot. I don't want it to be in business then, right? So that's why I think yeah. I was like always kind of like heading towards Jesus for just a big hug, yeah. Instead of instead of like what I call now like you know the law of the jungle, the law of nature of of business in some ways, which eventually that caught up with me, and I wanted to explore it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's. Uh, 
Uh, then, so I got my first job up in Portland at this little little company that just made these seven minute impact movies. Was what we call it. And and we should uh, we should let people know that your history, like in high school and stuff, was very creative. I mean, you yeah. you have <laughs> you were over one time like six months ago, and you started playing old albums that you made <laughs> yeah. from like yeah, punk true, bands yeah. in high school and stuff, yeah. and. So, so all the stuff that you did for career, like yeah. making videos, and it stuff. all started with music for me. Like yeah. I got a, I, my mom had a two string, a nylon guitar, and I had two strings on it, and I was like, like, yeah, I don't know how old I was, but I was just, I would play the thing for hours. What's I a two string guitar? Like it had six strings, but there was only two on it. <laughs> it's supposed to have six, but it's been in the closet for like literally twenty two years. So, yeah. um, so, but and and. We don't need to go off into that rat hole, but yeah, it was music. Yeah. For, for, I, I got real good at guitar and drums, and I started recording a lot of music myself. I fell in love with that whole, you know, so with this podcasting thing, I'm, I'm you know, we're using all this massive pro gear because I just had it lying around because I've been recording for 15 years, you yeah. know? So um, it all started with music, and from that, getting used to that creative process was very, made it, it was just the same exact process with with designing websites or making videos or doing all this other stuff. It's about having some idea and chasing it down and sticking with it, yada yada yada. All that you and, and you know, like making it fun and entertaining, yeah, and whatever, yeah, exactly. So I, I I appreciate you saying that and bringing it up, but I did play, you know, my band. <laughs> it's kind of big deal. Uh, we did play the uh, the quad in high school, so. Yeah, no, but you you actually you you opened for some people too in a, in in the Bay Area as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, we we I mean we were hardcore and punk vegan straight edge kids, dude. We were uh, shout are you, out. Are you on iTunes? Can we download some some of your hits? No, but you can go to I think it, I think I do have uh, I think it's music.chasereaves.net. All right, I think it's .net and not .com. I have basically everything I've ever recorded up there, um, and uh, freely available. You're just stick to the greatest hits because those are the only ones that are actually not super there's some embarrassing. Good stuff. No, there's some good stuff. Well, I appreciate that. But that yeah. is the right URL, though. It is? Yep. Good. So the point, the point being, it, it was always a creative sort of thing. You know, even now watching my son, like watching him draw, like, and he does, he's like, he's, he, it's not, he's not all that good, but you can tell for a four-year-old, <laughs> like, wow, he's, he's really doing all these like little lines. Like and just ma- like making this like almost like modern art looking thing instead of like trying to draw a representation of a robot, he's just like scribbling and doing these things. But like he won't cross over that line and all this little stuff, and and, and all the time that we spend playing Legos and do- and stuff like that, that's where I, it's bringing back all these memories for me as a kid. Uh-huh. That's what that was me. It's this mix of engineering and creativity that you get perfectly in uh in Legos. Yep, that was my freaking jam yeah i loved that i mean yeah. so many of you are pro- listening are probably resonating with that yeah but um that was it and that's what music did for me that's what recording and actually producing music all the way down to where i am now with the web design the writing copywriting actually converting someone's raw product into a, a story that communicates with punch and, and some power you know what i mean yeah that is that perfect mix of of raw creativity and precise engineering you know what I mean? So when you so when it came time to start looking for ways to support yourself and pursue career stuff, like how did that work out? Yeah, what did you look for? So I I went and I I got this first job and it just happened to be a Craigslist thing at this media company and it was all this like these like ragamuffin people who were running this who were like making these there was a total ballistically crazy guy at the top who was the CEO who was literally like certifiable ran for president of the united states of america um and he is just just a silly 
just a silly situation. But I, I spent a year and a half there as a project manager in, in you know, I know, now I know what it's like to have, not like, <laughs> to have like, <laughs> be in a family where it's like the, the, the crazy dad, like the mania sort of thing. He just walks in the room like a tornado and like your whole life just changes. You know what I mean? That's what happened at that company. Like, a, so when leaders like that, it's real dysfunctional. But uh, I learned all the, this project management stuff. And you guys made videos? Yeah, they were like, we call them impact videos. They're, they were like six minute, you know, here's what our company does, you know, stuff. Uh-huh. And, um, like animated? Yeah, all Flash yeah. stuff. And I, so I was kind of like, I would pick up Flash on the side and, and a little bit of like, you know, writing as I worked with a script with someone or, but mostly I was just running email and interference between the creative and the client. And this was about six years ago. Six years ago, yeah. yeah. So I did that for a year and a half. And, and to be honest, I spent, I mean, I, I, I was great at it. Um, but it, it felt real boring after a while. And, and I spent most, by the time I was spending about 10 hours a day surfing Lifehacker, uh, and, and, you know, and reading Merlin Mann articles over and over and over and over again, trying to understand what he's getting at exactly. Yeah. That's when my Merlin Mann sort of stuff started, but that's when I, my, the geekery started really taking root. Cause up to this point I was just punk. I was yeah. just a punk kid yeah. um, who really wanted to do something with energy and enthusiasm. And now I was like, okay, let's do it efficiently. Let's do it interesting. Geekiness. And did you feel like the company you were working for was sort of, w- did they have a clue about all this cool stuff that was going on online, the the productivity stuff and the blogging you know, stuff? I don't know. It's interesting because uh, going back, like they, they, uh, they had big boxes full of Seth Godin's The Big Moo or no, The Purple Cow mm-hmm. in there. Um, and they would send those to every new client. That was my first experience uh, or interaction with Seth Godin. You know, seeing those video, those or those m- books everywhere. Yep. I st- I stole a copy. I still have never read it. I just know. I just read the back page, and I know what it's about. And to be honest, it's about the know, big moo. Is that a, what you called it? No, it was it was uh, it, it's a purple cow. Purple cow. Yeah. And it's making products. <laughs> it's making your actual product interesting enough so the marketing and the sales is built into it, right? Yeah. Um. And just as, a, as an interesting little metaphor, I mean, Seth has become like my guy in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? I think he represents a lot of what I'm about. I'm learning a lot of what I'm about from him in some ways. Or like he's, I'll get somewhere and then I'll realize, oh man, Seth, Seth already said that. You know what I mean? And now I, yeah. now I get to quote him on it instead. Yep. Um, but that was the beginning interesting enough of of that was a, my first media job my first real job outside of like you know working at a jamba juice when i was in junior high or something right. like that and but everything in between there was all church and then i got this media job and that just basically took me down this media path because yeah. at the church and everything i was making videos and doing i was the you're doing media, media stuff there yeah, too. A lot yeah. of techies and yeah. doing all the music on the side as well so then from there the first job i had outside i was like i'm i'm out of here bye yeah. So why? So why'd you leave? And and what were you looking for? And you started working for yourself eventually. Uh, yeah. Well, what I what I did is I, I I tried making videos for those guys. I tried being one of their Flash developers. Yep. Um, and I don't think I ever ended up making one. Uh, I got halfway through one, and they're like they're like, okay, we'll let you know uh, with some feedback on this in a week, and they never got back to me. Right. Got it. I don't think that video ever got made, to be honest. But um, uh, the point being, I left. To be honest, I don't really remember. It just. It's the same thing that happens in the next, the same thing happened there, I think, probably with the next two jobs that I had. Yeah. Where once, you know, this, this, this energy sort of builds inside you, this, this hunger to like, dude, I could be a guy. 
I could go do a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? At this point, I'd already started Write to Mean, which was an old blog, and I think I was probably getting getting ready to start a... No, I wasn't even coming close to starting Father Apprentice, but but like these ideas for these sites on the side were always interesting to me yep. because they were my thing. You know what I mean, and, and and because I always felt like I could do something interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean, and I didn't know, uh, like you know, the famous, the funny joke around here is I'm a reader, not a mather. You know, and like Corbett and Caleb have like income and revenue meetings, and like they're just now invited me to them <laughs> because, to be honest, we don't really want Chase there. <laughs> not that, not that he'd ruin anything. Well, yeah, he'd ruin things. We wouldn't get as much done. And to be honest, he doesn't understand any of this stuff. But uh, that was one of my challenges. I didn't know any of the business stuff. Yeah. Right, but I knew how to communicate. I knew how to create interesting stuff, or I wanted to create things that I really cared about. You and, know then, I mean? and then you did freelancing. You went on your own, right? Went on my own, did freelancing, and that—that's—I've been doing freelancing for the last, you know, I guess since then. Sometimes the full time, sometimes on the side. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and I so I, I, the very first thing I did was I I I tried to start my own video production company because I was like, hey, I've been working at this company doing video type stuff, but they're doing all flash. I want to do video. I can do that. I you know I'll get a video camera or whatever, rent some stuff. And and I had to I couldn't do it I couldn't swing it I couldn't uh, make it happen you know Why and it should you? be uh, because I couldn't get clients I'd be I'd do the sales thing I'd try to get you know and I had almost no traffic and and all this other stuff and I was just a young kid who didn't I didn't know what I was doing yeah I was just you know I, if someone said hey kid I need a video here's what and I'd be like okay I could do it but convincing them to get there I was it was I was just too green behind the ears but you did learn a lot about. Video production, though. I mean, you you yeah. you knew Final Cut and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I already knew all that stuff. Though, okay, you know. Got it. Um, but the thing from that, the thing to remember, or the thing that I think has become something that I've said to a lot of people that I remember from that time, and this is something I learned from a guy that was working at that that video company, uh, which was called Angel Vision. He was one of their Flash developers, and he was by far the best Flash developer of of all of them. Made awesome, awesome videos for us, right? And so I went over and, and, and met with him one time because these guys were all working remote. And I went over and met with him. His name is Mike Smith. And he, he, was, uh, he was a little bit older than me. And I chatted with him for a little while. And he said, you know what? I, I really wish I would have worked at an agency, some sort of creative firm somewhere, an advertising agency or something, to work in that environment, to learn those things for a year or two how an organization works, mm-hmm. how the creative, how you actually put a system on top of the creative process, you know, uh, a business system of like, hey, we have this need. Creativity is like a spark. It's like a magic. It's lightning in a bottle. Nobody can really manufacture it. Yeah, actually, we can manufacture it. You know what I mean? There's things you can do, you know, to, but but then you, your creatives burn out. Okay, so let's change it to do this, that, and the other. You know what I mean? So like learning all of those steps and those stages and those processes, being an apprentice of that, when he said that, like, I didn't really get it at the time. I was like, really? You're so good at this. Like, you, you win, you know? You're much better than that. Um, now, I say that to a lot of people, and I absolutely believe, go spend a year as an apprentice. Do what Caleb did a while ago when he reached out to you and said, you know, I, I want to work under, under Corbett for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go do that. with Find the person who's in the thing, that in the space that you're like, God, if I could, like, you're Seth Godin. Like, for me, it would be like, I'd go work under Seth Godin. You know what I mean? If yeah. I were to do that today. Or whoever you can. Or whoever, you, and, yeah. and you got, you, you know, locate five, who are, who are the five, and reach out to each one of them. Make your intentions serious, and, 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 you know, and whatever, be yourself in it. And the goal is, you want to learn as much about how they run their business, uh, and uh, about the processes of their business, because there's, you look at it just the way that I looked at, 
you know, my video production company. Yeah, man, I'm good at this stuff. I can figure this out, make it count. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm better than all these guys. You know what I mean? I'll do it for cheaper. I'll do it faster. I'll do it better. I'm going to really serve them on a customer support. Do a, I couldn't make the sale. Yeah. Because there's all, there's all of, and that was such an easy problem to solve. Such an easy problem to solve. If I would have just spent six months or 10 months working at another firm to see how that happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Getting to know more than just the piece that you were working on, but seeing the bigger picture. And so for me, the, the, okay, if you can say, listen, I'll spend the next two years being a, an apprentice, the next six months or three months identifying who I want to work under and starting those relationships, and then the next, you know, whatever, 12 months actually working under them to get my te- your your world and your eyes will open up so hard. You only, you'll have different ideas. You'll land, a, you'll land, you know, at the end of that apprenticeship with such a, di- a better informed outlook yeah. than you did before. And that, so... I mean, sort of to me, what I did is I went to, eventually I went to a, uh, an interactive agency called Copious in Portland and, uh, it was small and I could, I could sort of be somebody there and they just hired me on as a, as a project manager. Um, and they were like a web design interactive, just interactive, yeah, yeah, just web interactive stuff. You know, we were doing, you know, we were from mostly like 20 to $60,000 websites and we did some big ones. We did Saddleback Leather, which you've, yep. which you've highlighted on, on Think yep. Traffic a bunch. We did, um, a bunch, we did a bunch of stuff and um, I was just they kind of limit I, I ended up being in, in part ways like the assistant to the, the main business guy mm-hmm. there where we would go and we would do the pitches and we would do the things and, and that was cool learned a lot it, they were they, the, the two founders of that company were, were young at the time and, and they were you know they had big boots to, to fill trying to do a big business and eventually what happened is uh, you know I learned a lot of work there for a year and, and they had to let me go because the economy hit the tank. And they yeah. were like, what? We don't want you to go. And I was like, dude, you just changed my my salary to... My kid was just born. And you just changed my salary to be just about all commission sales-based. Yeah. We and haven't, there's no economy right now. We, yeah. <laughs> we're trying to sell $50,000 web, websites yeah. to people who won't be buying websites for another four years. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, in the worst economy we've seen. you know, And so it's like, no, you, you did fire me. You know, so I took I took unemployment for a week before uh, ended up making. By that point, I knew what it took to freelance. I started doing full time web stuff instead of video. I went to web stuff, and it ended up so, being easy. so. You, for a while, you're kind of bouncing around between um, you know being the business guy and trying to learn the business stuff because you realized that was important. But yeah. you were also doing the creative stuff and then trying to piece the two together so that you could go on your own if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, but then you ended up with this mentor for a while doing, yeah. doing a startup thing. And that yeah. was a really important piece. So I did, yeah, I did, I did freelance stuff for about almost a year, I think. Um, and then by the end of that, like I, I, I had met a couple friends in town. One of them was Jason Glasby who runs paleoplan.com. Yep. And he, he, he was, he had just become a friend, you know? Um, and he was really well connected there cause he'd been in the agencies, a bunch of different agencies and, and just just knew everybody there. He was a great guy. And he introduced me to, I was like, dude, so I'm looking for some, I don't know, stuff that I can do. What can I do? Like I'm kind of, I didn't really know about being the web guy yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I'm making it up as I go and I feel kind of like a fraud. You know, I don't really know what I want to do. Um, and I'm like, I'm, you know, we're just eking by, but it's fine. We're young, we're fresh. We've got my kid, you know, but it's a little like, eh, 
let's try and get a little safety and security. Yeah. Um, so he put, hooked me up with a guy named Rick Tarosi, who I still owe like, uh, you know, it, who, <laughs> who in, in, inevitably I'll, I will owe a bunch of bottles of wine to because he hooked me up with this guy named Pete Grillo. And Pete Grillo said, all right, let's meet, uh, meet me at the River Cafe. Uh, which is a little pl- spot on the river in Portland, and he, he comes driving his yacht up to the River Cafe uh, to to meet with me because Pete had already had his big you know successes as a businessman. He'd been in Intel for a, while, a long time. Yep. He did consulting stuff, and then he started his own products and sold two big things. There, so he's he'd been a and he it, not only has he had his massive successes, but He's the exactly the kind of guy who literally was traveling around the country following the Grateful Dead, and his VW bus broke down in Portland, and he just never left. <laughs> so, That's awesome. So I'm like, I'm like, this is interesting. Um, so over our uh, over our bagels and locks, um, we uh, he was like, yeah, all right, yeah, okay, yeah. All right, can you come to work on Monday? And <laughs> so he like hires me. That was it. You yeah. just met with him once. He's like, I need informal a, interview. I need a guy. You seem young and flashy. Yeah, I need that kind of thing. Let's do it. <laughs> so we were, and this was to uh, this was he, he was a few months in already to, or maybe a year already into what, what our company called Iterazi, which is a web archiving tool, right? So then I then I spent the next three years as the you know marketing director there, and I learned a bunch. Mainly that, like, I mean, I I really did not like writing that kind of marketing. This is the marketing that I was talking about um, in our answering, like, the question about the competition, where you've been at those companies where you're like, you can't really let the competition know about stuff or this, that, and the other, because it's just a hand-for-hand, you know, fisticuff, feature-for-feature battle between yeah. you and, like, three other vendors who are building this thing. Yeah. And you're just kind of vying for, when's Symantec going to buy one of us? Or when's right. this guy going to... You know what I mean? In some and ways, the company itself doesn't have that much personality, necessarily. Yeah, and it, yeah. it shouldn't. And, it and your shouldn't. clients are, like, businesses. And, like, like financial businesses, yeah. you yeah. know? So what it ends up being is, for legal reasons, for all these other reasons, you archive your website, you've got value, you've got, val- you know, valid proof in court for when someone comes, you're an e-commerce thing, and they say, hey, it was this price, it was that price, whatever. And, yep. So, and, and it's actually, it, it's picked up so much since then, and we, but we just slogged through it for three years, little tiny victories. Didn't feel like slogging through it, because um, we knew our technology was excellent. But and how qu- big was this company? There was six of us. Cool. Um, and uh, and at the time, you know, he hired me, and then right afterwards, he hired Andy, my uh, who became you know just one of the most one of the serendipitous best friends of my life, greatest guys, right? Uh, who was the sales guy? And one of the things Pete said to me that still rings in my ears is, uh, you know, when I when I was talking to him about something, he's like, I would never make you a sales guy, Chase. I couldn't do. You're too in love with the technology. You're a horrible salesman mm-hmm. because you fall in love with the technology. I need a I need someone to. Just shut up and take the sale. You know what I mean? At some point. And that's what we found in Andy. Um, and, but that's still, that's, that really rung true for me. And I think there's a lot of people out there that because they're charismatic or whatever, they think they need to go into sales. Or, or that, that's kind of the thing that I thought. Like, yeah. you know, and still I'm trying to figure out this balance because I've got this sales kind of role, but I really also, it's all of these Lego artist sensibilities that I really want to make my life about. Yeah. Instead of like marketing, which is, at its worst, just convincing people of something they don't need. Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting. So you, you know, you are um, like an extreme jack of all trades, 
and you're really good in the creative areas, but you've done all of these marketing things, creative things, business yeah. things, whatever. And I, I mean, I think I have as well, but we, yeah. we've just found this kind of compatibility where we fill in yeah. different gaps. And I feel like working together, it turns up your business sensibilities. Yeah. Turns up my creative sensibilities. Yeah. In, in a good way. Yeah. And, you know, we, I can, I can go in and, and, yeah, we we can we can sit together and both have stra- strategic ideas or co- each come up with a good headline or do whatever we need to do, right? Yeah. But when we get to focus our energies a little bit more, I think it, it helps us dig those well-worn paths a little bit deeper rather than trying to be in both at the same time. Totally. You know. Yeah. And it's just nice to have somebody to leave some of the things that you know someone else is better at. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. To finally get comfortable with, you know what? I can do that, but it's going to be kind of mediocre, and yeah. I'd much rather have somebody who loves it and totally. is good at it to do it. And so, did you? How did you two guys actually meet then? Because that's kind of interesting too. It's a great question. Yeah. So, okay. So you're you worked for Pete and it, yeah. Iterazi and this is a, a perfect. That's a perfect question for where I'm at. So I'm at, I'm at Iterazi, uh, and, and I started going to these. I I, I met um, a guy called uh, Chris Pearson from DIY Themes, I, and a handful of people online that do blog stuff. And I was like, hey, I'll go to this blog thing this blog show blog world or something and i'll meet some of these people because at this point i had started father apprentice i had been doing a blog with right to me and father apprentice for a while and i was like might be a thing you know what i mean i was i, yeah. I always dreamed of it being a thing but i never really was putting my whole back so you into always it. had side projects like, always. no matter what you were working on you always had side yeah. projects yeah whether it was music or writing or yeah. whatever and partly that's just for personal just like figuring things out and yeah. trying stuff oh, well, it sounds I, like that's how you learned how to do video and web design is I, it absolutely doing is. it for yourself first yeah, totally. And and you know, for better or for worse, like like my wife always says to me, like I just love to hear my own voice in some ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like to think that that's not narcissism, but I mean, she would know if it is or if it isn't. But typically when I laugh at my own jokes, I'll see someone else go, this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's well, that's the only that's all I want. Yeah. Like I don't most of my jokes and my content doesn't really stand up on its own, but when you hear it in my voice, you're like, this guy. <laughs> He must think it's funny. <laughs> I guess. You know, where it's like, it's an I guess, but you've got a smile on your face. Yeah, right. That's, that's what I like. So anyways, I started, I started. I went to this blog world thing. I met Chris. I met a handful of other people. I started making friends in this industry. And for people like people that don't know, Chris, Chris Pearson does DIY themes, which makes the thesis yep. theme. And he's like really connected in that world. He yep. knows a ton of people. And, and he wears those successful. stupid shoes. <laughs> those stupid. <laughs> Stupid shoes out in public. I'm fine if you wear the finger shoes at the gym. The toe shoes. If you want to wear the finger shoes when you're when you're running or boating or kayaking or paddle boarding or at the gym or whatever. Or jogging. That's awesome. If you wear those to to a cocktail party or something, yeah. Chris, I am calling you out, man. <laughs> Willie Jackson tried to do that one time too. Wear them out in public. Jeez Louise. Good lord. Um so anyways, I started going to these blog world things and meeting people and I liked it. I liked that it was such a small scene. You could get to know a guy like, I mean, I started very first site I ever made was I think using thesis because I could see on the page right there, they've got a big support forum. And, uh, and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I mean, I just bought thesis yeah. and went for it and use it for your own sites. And I used it for all my own sites. And then from that, I ended up being one of the, one of the, you know, whatever, thesis guys, right? Yeah, and you just figured it out, and right away, Chris recognized, like, your design talent and what you did well, And I never, it, Like I said, like, I, I didn't, I just, this past year, started calling myself a designer. Yeah. Up to this point, it was like, 
well, that looks dumb. Let's change that and do this, that, yeah. and the other. And it was done, right? Yeah. And then and then people would be like, hey, it looks pretty cool. You yeah, know? but the stuff that you built, I mean, everything that I've seen, you know, since we met was awesome. And obviously, Chris, and Chris thought you were great. Good enough to list you as like a, a thesis designer yeah. on the site and everything. So. Yeah, I, I'm real appreciative to Chris because, you know, he, he he promoted me and it, and it helped people say like, hey, this guy isn't just a total retard. He's like actually pretty good at this stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? But um, then I was at Blog World LA, which is probably, I mean, now it's more than, it's like how many years ago now? It's like two or three world years ago? Two no, years ago. the one that we met at? Yeah. No, this was um, about 19 or 20 months ago. Okay, good. You've got it down to the months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 2011. Really, I would say it's more like 21 months. <laughs> It's in, two, it's it's in November. Not two of, years. Early, it's nineteen months. <laughs> early November of two thousand eleven. So we're in L.A. and um, I remember this guy Derek Halpern, who I had met. I had and he and I had gotten in like little flame wars online because I'm close with. I know Chris, and I'm like, dude, your marketing. It's like it's all this sleazy BS. Like this could be about like someone's like someone's like livelihood. It could it, like you, DIY themes could be about about someone like creating something that they love. This is you know it could be about so much more than just like a. SEO and yeah, you know, just really easy to do. And all yeah. this, all this like marketing BS. And, and he was like, "Well, that's Derek's cup of tea. You take it up with him." So I started chatting with Derek, and I was like, "And he's just like, you, you're just too woo woo. You're just too woo woo, little designer guy doing all your woo woo stuff. That's whatever." And he was playing up his character, and so I started playing up mine. And so we kind of had these little battles online. And then I met him, and um, and and it was great. We actually, we actually really liked each other. I remember being at the bar, and he's just like. Like one morning at breakfast or, or something like that, and he was just like, you know, I think uh, I like that guy. I like you. I think it was, it was like we're Christopher Walken in the morning. That's awesome. <laughs> but um, but I remember him saying like, yeah, I'm staying with Corbett. I'm staying with Corbett. <laughs> yeah, I'm staying with Corbett. You know Corbett? I'm staying with Corbett. And I'm like, I don't know Corbett. <laughs> Who's Corbett? <laughs> and uh, and to be honest, to be honest, I didn't know uh, about Think Traffic or anything like that. But um, I heard your name first from him, mispronounced. Um, and, and then later on, we were at a at some you know some thing for Blog World. So that was the first thing you met. The first time you met Derek as well was that same. Conference. I think yeah, in yeah. person, yeah, yeah. Fine. And then um, and Pat as well, yep. Pat Flynn, yeah. And, uh, so anyways, so then we were at a bar and at, at one of these events, and I'm like, I think I was like, I, either we just rubbed shoulders at the bar and started talking or like I, you heard me order for net or something. No. So, so, and the thing that, so I was at an event that Pat Flynn threw. It was mm. like a little party and I was hanging out okay. at a table with like 20 people talking to a couple of random strangers or whatever. And Chris and you showed up with Derek and Derek and I were roommates at that time yeah. for that thing. Corbett and, and Corbett. Derek and, yeah, exactly. Sleeping together. And, um, you showed up and I hadn't met Chris before. So I'm like oh. talking to Chris and we knew each other from online. Yeah. But we start talking and then he's like, Hey, uh, this is Chase. And I was like, who's this guy? Yeah. So we start, we, we started talking. We went to the bar to order a drink and one of us ordered for net. Yeah. And that was it from there. Say love. The rest is history. The rest is history. Uh, Fernet is a is a digestif that uh, got awfully popular here in San Francisco and in other parts of the world like Argentina and 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 Portland and and it's sort of a it's a thing you order. But I've fa- I mean, I'm drinking it right now. I've I've fa- yeah. I really liked it. I've fallen in love with it just because it it's got a little booze in it and a lot of just like mellow. Yeah. Uh, and minty. So we met. This is November of 2011. Caleb uh, started working with me in what July August. or August of 2011. Yeah, 
it's funny because it seems like you and I have like known each other for so much longer, but <laughs> we met Chase like four months later or something. Yeah. Um, and then we started working together after that. So how did that transition happen from you started, you know, yeah. knowing people in the blog world we, to you and I met? And for I don't know if we if I I must have followed you followed up with you later on or whatever. But pretty soon we started just making friends. Yeah, uh, we were at a. You know, I was in San Francisco for a weekend with my wife, and and I got in touch with you, and we we all got together, and That's our right. wives hit it off, and that ended up being That's right. a real yep. big deal. Yep. You know, um, and then uh, we just had some other like getting to know. Then each I met other you in Port. Then we met in Portland yeah. again, and then you so, came to Mexico. And- <laughs> New York was in there somewhere. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, but um, but that it was it was fast friends because to be honest, we were at a stage of life where like I needed friends. Yeah, uh, especially ones like you who were interesting to me in that in that like uh adventure and ambition kind of way yeah in a business kind of way and diy sort of small business stuff exactly yeah so um so right at right around that time was when i was gearing up to uh to leave Iterazi and to go full-time again uh on my own to just work with pro bloggers at like the you know guys who make a hundred thousand to a hundred thousand dollars a year to you know Two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, dollars, yeah, and just be like, okay, you guys have Frankenstein your sites and got here, you know, bootstraps, all that other stuff. Like, let's put a real brand behind this thing, which is what I'm great at, yeah. you know, what I know I'm I'm real good at. Um, and so I just started to look, like, make the list of who I was going to target in that. Yep. And you know, we were getting close, and so it just came up real naturally that uh, I would do design your site. Yep. And you were like, real gracious to take it on at first. Because you'd never really seen any of my work before, and then uh, and then we were in Mexico, and I showed you the site that I was developing for my wife, yeah. and her real estate firm, and you're like, okay, okay, cool, yeah. And let's I'd do seen this. your other sites too, yeah. and like them as well, yeah, cool. So, um, and and, that, and for people listening to this, we'll put in the show notes. Um, there's a great long yeah. interview that we did together after you did the Think Traffic site that g- dives into the your reason for how you designed how it. we designed Think yeah. Traffic and all that other yeah. stuff. Um, so, anyways, I, I, you know, I'm just getting a little indulgent now. So I'm gonna ra- let's wrap this yeah, up here. Yeah. But but basically, I was planning on working with a bunch of uh, with just focusing on pro bloggers and being their guy. You know, I, what my dream was was to just have like five guys that I'm on retainer with, and I would work everything from their email templates to their products to what product they made next. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And sitting at the table with, I wanted to be with five guys. And I wanted to bring them all to the same table, and I wanted us all to bring make our businesses better together. Yep. And I would just be the creative. I would represent the creative arm of of all these guys, right? Well, that didn't. You know, we we did your site, and you started talking to me about this thing you really wanted to build called called you know we called it Lemonade Stand or Project X at the time, yeah. Which turned into Fizzle, and then from the, then the rest is history. Like you basically you just you married me. Yep. You locked it up. Yeah. You got all the cows and the milk. You were on a rebound relationship. And, I was totally, and we sealed the deal. <laughs> you know, so looking back for me, like it's really uh, one of the things I'm most grateful for has been the mentorship of Pete at Edorazi, which mm-hmm. is so awesome that he's taught me how to just be comfortable in my own skin, lean on my own expertise, and not try to be somebody else. Yep. And and that and that, like you know what, there, you know, he'll tell you two things. Number one. Get a re- get the best lawyer you can afford, and number two, like there's no real rules. You know what I mean? In some yeah. ways, it's like so. Learning that from him uh, it was was just great. It was good. Yeah. Um, because that's big boy business. Yep. And I would I would still be sitting here saying like, hmm, I wonder what big boy business feels like. Yeah. And I, and it was the best possible introduction to that for me to say, okay, I'm doing my little thing now with Corbett and Caleb, and how are we going to do this? Um, 
And I know, like, we could. There's no right or wrong answers. It's not like we have to get to venture or we have to do yeah. this, that, and the other. You know. Yeah, and we mentioned earlier, and I think we've mentioned before, but you know, we, I, I wanted to work with you more full time because it just felt like there are all these things that yeah. Caleb and I lack in terms of creativity, and we're getting better at it. But there's just a lot of stuff that you know how to do already. So it just seemed like a, a great, you know, compliment. And we basically, from the time that you redesigned Think Traffic until now, just kind of let you dictate the creative stuff yeah. um, around the site design, like the video stuff. You and Caleb have kind of worked out like yeah. what that's going to look like, what the podcast is going to look like, and it's just it's just changed our ability to get some really interesting stuff done. It's been a real it's been a real interesting transition, or like I don't know, not even a transition, just to find myself Adventure. feeling so comfortable and at home in this kind of a relationship. And I would encourage any of you out there, like creatives, I know there's a lot of creatives that listen to the show. I know there's a lot of people who don't have, who say they don't have a creative bone in their body who listen to the show, right? And I think you'll see a lot more of these kinds of, you know, quote unquote partnerships. You know, we continue to lament the fact that good help is hard to find in like, whether it be the the design or or dev space or, or whatever, just getting your site made and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, you know, I don't think that I'm such a rare breed. I think there's a lot of creatives out there who have great marketing and business sides to them as well. And because, you know, like we've seen this massive trend in designer CEOs, you know, in actual big startups and the yeah. focus on culturally and commercially on design and how that can change all this other stuff. So I, I wouldn't doubt it that like, you know, or I guess I would say this. I would, I would say, wait, what can I really say here? Working with Corbett has really changed the way that I look at at myself and and what I really do well. Um, and not that it's changed that so much, but it's just changed what I see as the next ten year plan. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you know what I mean. Like I said in the post at Ice to the Brim, I always considered myself sort of a lone ranger. But typically, those movies don't end up well. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I did too. For a long time, I thought I would just be a lone ranger, and I would use you know independent yeah. contractors and stuff. And um, and then meeting you two guys has just you know kind of changed that over time. You and know? it's interesting. I, and so I hope that more people have this kind of experience. I know that there's you know there's plenty of stories where partnerships blow up and things go the wrong way. You know what I mean. Um, but there's also you know David and Jason at Thirty Seven Signals. Yeah. There's you know there's plenty of stories of founders that actually do foundering partners that actually do like they lock in together and, and, and whether it's two or three or nine or whatever but typically like you know two to three that it ends up working really really well um, and it's just a new a whole new dynam- dynamic for me it's 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 nice not have to not to have to carry the whole burden on my yeah. own you know it's also it's also a, a total thing to learn to be like, I don't know, does Corbett trust me? Is this the way I should be doing it? And is this, is this, am I doing it all right? And, and let's, is he let's, doing it all right? Let's do an episode coming up just about everything we've learned yeah. about working the three of us together because we have learned a lot. We have. And we've taken things very slowly. I mean, like you said, you and I met 18 months ago and we just really eased Ni- into like it. 19 to 20. And we'll talk tomorrow um, about Caleb's story and how we got to work together and we really transitioned slowly on that too. So... Um, and until recently, all of our work was 100% virtual too. Yeah, which is really interesting. Yeah, you know. that's true. That's true. Okay, so let's let's wrap up me. That that's hopefully that gives you a good little you know a nice a nice bed of lettuce to uh, to lay down the ingredients of uh, your own salad on. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it gives you an idea of, of who I am, where I come from. That uh, that it's just you know yeah whatever. It's, and and you're very modest, I have to say. So it's who it's who I am. Well, I'm just a Bay Area punk kid. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Who, who, who found Jesus and then subsequently is like, yeah, me and Jesus are sort of seeing other people. Exactly. We're not broken up. Still snuggle. Just chilling. Let's answer some, some listener questions. Do we have time for a couple listener questions, Caleb? Yeah, we do. So let's start off here with a question from a fizzler, Tom Ross. Let's take a listen. Hey, guys, it's Tom Ross from Fizzle. I just had a really quick question about reducing the churn rate and increasing the income, uh, the recurring income from my membership site. And it's kind of plateaued for the last few months. So it's uh, not an insubstantial amount of income coming in um, and actually some of our highest numbers ever but it's been hovering around the same amount for around six months now. So it would be great if you had any broad tips for reducing that churn rate and getting the income on the up again um, for a membership website. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so, and we should say, I mean, this is the exact same thing we work yeah. through as well. It's not like we have some, you know... Yeah, it's one of our biggest metrics. Yeah, yeah. on Fizzle specifically. Yeah. yeah, so when you're running a membership site, you know, there's a couple of big things to look at. The first is how many new people are coming in the door every month yeah. and how many people are leaving. And if you can reduce the number of people that are leaving every month, that dramatically changes your growth rate over time. Yeah. So you got to try to maintain, you know, look at both of those and ideally improve both of them. And if you can, you know, incrementally improve the number of people signing up every month and lower the churn rate at the same time, that helps you grow, yeah. you know, very well. So, what we know is that the key to reducing churn rate is having a valuable product to begin with that people really like, and then also engaging people in the product. Because a lot of people sign up, they believe in your sales message, yep. they sign up thinking, this is going to be great, it's going to change my life or whatever, and then they just don't have time to use it, yep. or they don't know all of the features that you offer. Mm -hmm. And and so the, the key there is activation, like getting people to understand what your product is about, and how to use it and and communicating to them all the different features and benefits and things that you offer. Yeah. Because it's really easy for somebody to get in and just not know that, for example, inside Fizzle, we have like all these discounts that we offer people. It's really easy for them to get in and not know that. Yeah. Or um, how best to use our community or yeah. what new courses we've offered and stuff like that. So you have to communicate on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that that's actually, that would be my one tip is there's, there's different ways that people will think about your product depending on how you frame it. You know, and the role of the marketing in some ways, as well as the ongoing interaction with those customers, is continuing to frame it in, in a way that makes sense, that connects with their desires and their needs. That says, like, kind of like what you just mentioned, like, there's things, for instance, someone just canceled and fizzled and they sent us a little, we had a little exit survey, um, and they didn't leave their name, so I didn't get to get back to them, but they, they said, you know, yeah, I signed up, checked out a few videos, it was okay, and uh, maybe it would have been better if I checked out the forums once or twice. But it's, right. it's like it's like so many, like the vast majority of our of our people in Fizzle have extremely amazing experiences on the forums where they're getting their, their business topics vetted, where they're talking to people around different ideas for this, that, and the other, and it's just a lot of support. Um, and uh, and this, so this person just just didn't, somehow we didn't communicate to them clearly enough that that this is not just a good thing it's probably a really important thing yeah. you know what i mean and and maybe they just weren't listening to it or may, whatever but um but the way that you frame things you know i had to i was 
we did a, what was it? We had a, a sales video up or something at Fizzle a while ago, and my buddy Willie Jackson sent me an email and said, I think you've got this all wrong. You guys aren't, you know, he, he sent me this little pep talk, basically, that I printed out and I have on my desk. And, um, but it goes to, it, it just to the gist of like, uh, you're not telling your story well. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're not, you're not, you know, Massimo in a, in a Target aisle. Like, you're, you're Louis Vuitton. You know what I mean? And, and your audience is self identifying as fizzle people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you, that's where you should be. That's who you are. That's what you've built. But you're talking about it in a sort of a sandbagging kind of way. Yeah. You know? Um, so I guess all that to say, the way that you talk about these things, the story that you tell about what this actually is, can can deeply affect people's you know decisions at that next month. Where it's like, okay, am I going to re up on this or not? Yeah, you know what I mean. That's probably one one thing that I would say. What have we done? Well, that's so in- yeah, here's just a like a tactical thing. So um, we've fallen in love with a new piece of software called Intercom. Yeah, and what Intercom does is um, it tells you. A lot about your customers. It tells you how many sessions they've had recently, when the last time they logged in was, and you can feed Intercom any kind of data that your application knows about your customer. So um, the other thing that Intercom does is it allows you to communicate with your members based on behavior. Yeah. And what you'll notice is that there are distinctive behaviors that lead to churn over time. So get to know why people stick around in your application, the, the behaviors that yeah. get people to stick around, and then monitor for people not doing that. So for example, as Chase mentioned, we know that people who don't get involved with forums tend not to stick around as long. So one of our goals is to introduce people to the forums and get them connected to the community. Another thing is that over time, if you notice people not logging in and not having as many sessions, then that's a danger sign as well that somebody might be you know, not connected as well. So you can, through Intercom or some other system like it, you can send messages to say, hey, I noticed that you hadn't logged in. I wanted to check in and mention that we've done these few things in the past month that you might be interested in. Yeah. And also just to find out if there's something that you're stuck on that we can help with and then interact with them one-on-one. And that's a, another good way to lower churn rate. Yep, I love it. Caleb, anything yeah. to add? Yeah, some of these you guys already mentioned, but I was typing them out as you said them. I got eight or nine things here. Whoa. So, Whoa. And they're all things that we do in Fizzle. <laughs> so the first thing is we have an intro course. So as soon as someone signs up, you know, there's a five video course of us introducing the platform to them, telling them to go to the forums yep. and stuff like that. Um, the second one was have them go to the forum right away and introduce themselves. So have them see the community, get some interaction right away. We found that people that go to the forums stay longer. Yep. Um, recently, Corbett, you've been sending a personal email to every member. Yep. And whether or not you automate that or not, that's something that is a personal touch. Yeah. So whenever someone signs up, we communicate with them individually yeah. And uh, and a lot of people reply. Yeah, and uh, we have little little conversations just to say, "Hey, we're glad you're here." Yeah, and we also say that in the forum in their introductory post. Yep, just to show that we actually do care about each of these people that are in there. Yep. Um, number four is put 110 percent towards building that community. So a lot of membership programs that start might not think they need a community or a forum or something. And we went back and forth on that in the beginning, Corbett, even before yeah. Chase was on, but. I don't think Fizzle would be what it is today without that community, retention-wise or just fun-wise yep. for the three of us. Yep. So I would say put in more effort towards that, even if there's not like a direct return on your time. And we there. just learn so much from the community about what we can do to make the program better. Yeah, you know? it's shaped yeah. the, uh, the growth of it and the future of it too. Yep. So 
Number five is ongoing challenges. If you can do things continually that get people motivated to go back and check out, you know, courses or content you've already created, that's a good way. Number six is continually update the content. Cause I think a lot of people make what are, you know, what could just be like a book or a course yeah. or something. Yeah. And they call it a membership site and they don't ever update it. Mm-hmm. So each month in Fizzle, we're constantly making yeah, new and courses, that's something we've, new founder stories, you know. That's something we've talked to Tom who asked this question about um in other venues, I don't know where, but the fact that sometimes when you build something that you think is a monthly membership site, it really isn't because the way you've structured it and yeah. the reason you made it a, mem- a membership site is because you heard that it's a good recurring revenue thing. So yeah. you're thinking from your business's perspective, it would be nice to have people in and paying every yeah, month. Yeah. And then it's backwards because from your customer's perspective, they're like, well, I got in, I got the information in a month, and there's not ongoing value here. Yeah. So it's really hard to keep people sticking around. Yeah, let me just say that this whole, you know, you can call it recurring revenue or you can call it a membership site. Yeah. I call it a freaking job. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's <laughs> like you're invested now for the long haul. Like, like, People continue to stay on and fizzle because they know A, we absolutely are 100% invested in this thing. Yep. B, we're putting out excellent courses for them. Yep. We're continuing to update our stuff. And, and C, it's like it's quality stuff. Our point of view isn't just some flash in the pan kind of thing. And, we don't, and we're not, it's not some proprietary Sigma 6, like how to launch your thing, do the thing. It's like, no, it's like typically we're, we're focusing pretty hard on giving them a compass. Instead of a map and saying like you got to blaze your own trail, yeah, but you're not alone. Yep. here's some things mm-hmm. to get started with. You know what I mean? And that's actually an interesting way, is because it is a job, and those people, in a way, are our bosses, and they're paying for your absolutely. kids' absolutely, yeah, yeah. We know? totally work for them. That's who we work for. That's why mm-hmm. it's like you know, I want to work for myself. I hate my job. Yeah, try working for you know your customer. Work for a customer. Yeah, you're gonna every, no matter what, you're working for somebody. You yep. know, unless you're making if you're making art that's great, and you're or you're a poet or you're a musician or something like that. Yeah, make your stuff that you know you that you have to be true to your artistic sensibilities. But mo- by and large, most of us can do great creative work while we serve our audience, and and. And it's a give and take sort of relationship. Like we actually have to, we have to provide that value for them, and that's something we've completely given into. Like we like this. We, yeah. This is an honest, a, a law of the jungle kind of way of getting, you know, of commerce essentially. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a way for me to buy gluten-free crackers for my parasitic <laughs> four-year-old. Yeah, and uh, something that uh, James Altucher, one of my favorite bloggers, talks about is the fact that you're going to have bosses, right? No yeah. matter what you do, you're going to have bosses. And your goal should probably be to have as many bosses as possible so that if one of them fires you, it doesn't matter because yeah. you've got hundreds more. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, true. I like that too. It's like, because most people have one boss and that's the problem. Yep. Okay, Caleb, you have one more? Two more. Oh, God. Well, uh, number seven, list. have a roadmap. Uh-huh. So tell people what's coming and then deliver on time. Yep, so they and know what the to expect. the last one is have an exit survey, which you guys have already talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is a good little tip. Okay, well... I think those are. I think, I think Tom's all hooked up. Tom, hopefully, actually, I Tom's one of those sticklers. He's like, well, you guys didn't really answer this particular part of the question. So, Tom, <laughs> if you're listening, if you're listening to this, uh, feel free to ask again. We like your questions. You have good questions, yeah, and you're doing good work. So, okay, well, uh, kind of, I wanted to get in another ones, but we, but we, uh, we should stop it there. Yeah, and uh, thanks for spilling the beans and and sharing your guts or whatever yeah whatever i whatever i did you what you know uh it's like in in star star wars uh where they cut the 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 creature it's cold on that planet and they cut the creature Mm -hmm. and put 
Luke inside. And I remember, you remember those the big, the tauntaun, the tauntaun, all those big maggoty things that he has to, and it smells really bad. Oh God, that was that just still just so poignant. I in had my mind. that. I had that character growing up as a kid. Bad on the, the outside. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> nailed it. Yes, remember all the little Star Wars, like you know, what do you call them, like. Toys, yeah. toys for Ewoks, kids. Toys. You know what I mean. Yeah. So I had that one, the Tauntaun, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a belly that you could shove a character into. <laughs> like the belly opened up, and you could shove Luke in there. There's an awesome sleeping bag yeah. for kids that looks That's like that. The ta- yeah, it has in the, the head of the Tauntaun is like the pillow. Oh, Anyways, man. that that I mean, where are you going to find that in, in in the context of a business? Uh, probably you know, nowhere. Place. Actually, probably it's not all that unique. We could do better next time. <laughs> I have been Chase Warman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr, and I apologize if I was a little off my game you know today. What? You did but fine. You did. You totally did I'm feeling did fine. a lot better now. You after. showed up. You brought your A game. You brought your A game. Shut <laughs> up, he says. Shut up. <laughs> and who have you been, Caleb? I've been Caleb. Logic. <laughs> no, I love that if you just went. I've been Caleb. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for the question, Tom. Uh, you guys can ask us a question in your iTunes review, and we'll answer it here on the air. If you like this show, please do leave us an honest rating in iTunes. It doesn't cost you much, and it means a whole lot to us because it helps other hopeful entrepreneurs find this show. Uh, To do so, simply search for the show in iTunes and click Write a Review. And there's some funny ones in there now you should definitely check out. So I hope you enjoyed this little uh, stroll through, through how I got here. Uh, I listen to a lot of interviews. I listen to a lot of interviews, and I always get something out of it. I, I really like listening to interviews. It's just kind of weird being on the other side. Like I don't know what you're gonna take away from this, but I hope I hope it's really good. I hope you have something to t- a takeaway or two from this. You can get the show notes for this episode at fizzleshow.com/slash. Four. That's the number four. We do show notes on every one of these episodes. And you should definitely check them out because there's uh, there's helpful links, sometimes some notes, and the occasional Easter egg here or there. So if you haven't yet, head to fizzleshow.com and enter your email to join the crew of entrepreneurs who want to do it gooder. And we'll send you our traffic toolkit for free when you do so. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. Keep your ice to the brim, your conversations earnest, and those filthy finger shoes out of those respectable public places. (laughs) Thanks.